Hello and welcome to the Ridge Weekly Podcast. I'm Adam Etris and I'm part of the Ridge team here in Morgantown. As Christ followers, we can often wonder, what will heaven be like? Will we be busy or bored? Will we know our loved ones? Listen as Pastor Josh brings a talk from the series Homecoming, where we are exploring what the Bible says about heaven. We hope that this talk will encourage and inspire you as you grow in your relationship with God and others. Well, hey, good morning. If we haven't connected yet, my name is Josh Rhodes, one of the pastors here at the Ridge. It's, it's just great to be together, all of you online. So glad you're with us, those of you who are in the room. It's just great to be able to worship and hear songs like that. Can we thank Nikki and the band? Man, that was, that was incredible. And there's no doubt about it, that's where we're going. Uh, hey, I'd love to take just a moment to pray before we jump into the message today. Well, God, thank you for the opportunity to gather together in your name. Thank you for the opportunity to reflect and remember on what Jesus did for us on the cross. God, we also just recognize that uh, there are so many challenges that we face, God, whether it's in a, a marriage or with children or health, loss of a loved one. God, we just pray that you would provide that comfort to us today as we work through these hard things. We also ask God for your comfort and your hand upon those who've been impacted by the hurricane, to the families who lost loved ones, to the, to the thousands who've lost homes and businesses. God, we just pray for all of those folks who have been impacted in all of the recovery efforts. God, we just pray a hand of, of blessing over all of those and that you would remind them that you are close and that you are the God of all comfort when we face challenges. We long for the day when all of these things will be no more. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, going into my summer, uh, the summer of 2004, which is crazy that that's 18 years ago. It doesn't seem like it should be that long. I was just finishing my junior year at Lancaster Bible College in Lancaster, PA, uh, for ministry and Bible and all of that. And my wife, Hillary, who was my girlfriend at the time, she was just finishing her sophomore year at Bethany College in Bethany, West Virginia, uh, with a major in economics and minor in Spanish. So going into that summer, we both wanted to do some kind of internship. Um, so we looked into some different options, and we were like, man, how cool would it be if we could find something that could work for both of us to, to maybe go somewhere together? And uh, we remembered a church in the Dominican Republic near the capital where we had gone in high school on a mission trip, and they had a, an internship program. So we reached out to them and explained kind of what our hopes were, me for ministry, Hillary for Spanish, and it worked out. So we actually applied to the program, and they accepted three guys and three girls, and we got to, to be a part of that summer internship. And uh, I was looking through um, a scrapbook last night, which those are the things you do when you have time before life gets crazy, of that trip. And this was uh, whenever we were leaving Pittsburgh. My mom, did someone just say aw? Okay, like 13 of you. So you can see it's like from a scrapbook. And uh, anytime I look at old pictures of Hillary and I, I realize how much I've aged like the weight, the hair loss. I'm just like, is that really what I looked like? And she hasn't aged a bit. To those of you who know my wife, it's like she looks exactly like she did 18 years ago. But that was uh, getting ready to leave Pittsburgh to go down on this trip. And, and we were fully immersed. Uh, we had an apartment, a guy's apartment, a girl's apartment. We were all in, in the Dominican culture. And there were so many times where I was reminded 
that I wasn't home. I was out of place. The first day of the internship, I believe it was, I came down from the apartment and our trip leader had picked us up and I was dressed for the day. They told us to be ready to, to be out walking in the community, meeting people, knocking on doors, all these types of things. So I'm like, it's hot. It's Dominican. I'm going to wear shorts. So I came down from the apartment, had a polo on and, and had it tucked into my khakis, you know, looking ready for my internship. And the trip leader looked at me and he goes, Josh, you got to change. I was like, I, I, I look good. You know, he's like, no, you don't understand. In the Dominican culture, only boys wear shorts. He's like, if you want guys to respect you and what you're trying to do, you've, you've got to wear pants. They only wear shorts if they're swimming or playing sports. So he set me to go change on my first day. Uh, over the course of the summer, I also began to desperately miss 2% milk. That's what I grew up on. And in a, in a lot of places around the world, they pasteurize their milk differently, and it's actually shelf-stable. A lot of you guys know this, and it can last upwards of three months which kind of just sounds disgusting, and it's warm. So at first I was like, I could get used to this, you know, warm, shelf-stable milk, not so much. By the end of that trip, I was craving 2% milk. And then, of course, Spanish. Um, I had taken Spanish in high school, shout out Spanish teachers, uh, but I couldn't remember anything. It was like four years ago, so I had the basics, you know, hola, senor, Buenos dias, senorita. The most important one, of course, is Donde Estal Baño. And that's kind of important to know where the bathroom is. But all that summer, I just felt so lost, especially the church services. So we had like two services a week, all in Spanish. And I was just waiting to hear Dios or Jesus, you know, just these words or phrases that I understood. But as a citizen of the United States living in the Dominican Republic, there are so many things that I enjoyed, and God used that trip greatly in our lives, but I still felt out of place. I felt homesick. You know, I had Hillary at the time was my, my girlfriend, but I missed my brothers and my sisters and my parents and the comforts and Taco Bell, or, you know, whatever. I, there were so many things about back home that I missed, and I increasingly became more homesick. Today, as we continue this series about heaven, I, I want to use that metaphor of a summer abroad or international travel to help us see a, an important truth that the scripture teaches, that this world is temporary, that this world right now for the believer is temporary. Our true home, our true destiny is in heaven. The Apostle Paul talked about this in Philippians chapter 3, verse 2. He said, our citizenship is is in heaven. For the believer, our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly wait for a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now notice that this verse doesn't say that our citizenship will be in heaven one day. It doesn't say we will become citizens of heaven when Jesus returns or when we die and, and pass on to heaven. It says that our citizenship is right now in the present tense. Now, this might not mean a lot to us, but the, the original Christians who would have heard this, the Philippian Christians, they were living in Philippi. And this was about 4,600 miles away from the Roman capital, the, the capital city of Rome and the Roman Empire. And most of them had never been from Philippi to Rome. They wouldn't have been able to make that trip, maybe a few. 
But the Apostle Paul is helping them understand that that just like you are a citizen of Rome and you've not yet been there, that you are a citizen of this place with the privileges and responsibilities and to be able to vote and own property and all of those privileges, he was saying that is true of you as a believer. That even though you have not yet been to your eternal home, you have not yet traveled to heaven, you are a citizen now. And I think a lot of times we forget this truth or we're not even sure how this should impact our lives today. And that's what we're gonna talk about. So if you've been journeying with us through this series, I think it's been really good for us. I know we've been looking forward to be able to talk about this, this heaven series. And in the first week, Pastor Tim just sort of started at the foundational level and said, why do we need heaven? Why heaven? And and he reminded us that God had created a good and perfect world to enjoy people. And then sin came in and destroyed what he had created as good. The second week, then Pastor Tim talked about, okay, in light of that, then, then what is heaven and where is heaven and what will it be like? And it was such a robust description. If you miss, make sure you catch that week. This place where there is no sin and there is no death and it is complete peace and complete perfection and being able to be reunited with those who passed before us, all of those truths, but the most important truth being the physical and being in the presence of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There's nothing better than that. So then last week we said, okay, if that is what's true about heaven then how do we get there? How can we be 100% sure that we end up there when we die? Because I don't think God wants us to worry or wonder or will the scales tip in our favor. He's made it abundantly clear. So we looked at John chapter three and talked about how Jesus is the only one who came from heaven. So he's the only one who can take us to heaven. And when we place our hope and our faith and trust in him, we're given the forgiveness of sins, the promise of eternal life, and that can never be taken away from us. So for Christians then, an eternity in heaven with God is what we look forward to with great anticipation. It's what we long for. It's what we believe is in store. But what about now? Because we're here right now, October 2nd, 2022. We are here right now. What would it look like for you and for me to live as citizens of heaven right now? What, what difference would that make in our lives and in the lives to come? And I believe if we get a hold of these truths today, because these truths have been stirring in my heart all week, and I feel so much more encouraged, so much more hopeful, so much more joyful to be alive right now in what we recognize to be a sinful, dark, and broken world that seems to be getting worse. So how do we live now? How do we live a joyful, abundant life? I think if we get a hold of this today, we'll be able to in greater ways. So I wanna give us five truths today that fall under this idea of when we live as citizens of heaven, what does that look like, what does that mean? So the first, when we live now, as a citizen of heaven, we will love our true king. That if we're living now as a citizen of heaven, we recognize we have a king and his name is Jesus and we will desire to grow in our love and devotion to him. Now, at the time of this message being given, the United Kingdom is still mourning the loss of their beloved Queen Elizabeth II. 
But we've also, at a global scale, been able to witness the coronation of their new king, Charles III. And we recognize that while the UK has a a parliament and a functional government that runs the day-to-day, they have a king. And the king is the figurehead. He's to rule the people with love and to protect and provide for them and, and in turn be loved by the people. And I'll admit, as an American, I don't fully understand that system of government. I don't fully understand kind of how, how exactly that works. But when I see King Charles III, who, who obviously loves the people and who the people in turn love, I can't help but think about when we'll see our king face to face, the one who loved us and gave himself for us. In this present age, it says that the world is ruled by the prince of darkness, the evil one, but in the age to come, the new heaven and new earth, Jesus will reign as king and he will do it justly and full of love for his people. This role of king has been long promised and long looked forward to. It's, I, we see it in Isaiah chapter nine, hundreds of years before the king would be born. For, as a, for a child will be born of us, a son will be given to us, the government will be on his shoulders, he will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty of God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul as a Roman citizen encouraged his son in the faith, Timothy, to fight the good fight and remember who he was fighting for. 1 Timothy 6.15, he, Jesus, is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords. And in the end, there will be no mistaking who the rightful king is. There will be no mistaking who will rule and reign forever. Revelation chapter 19, the one on the white horse says this, and he, Jesus, has a name written on his robe and on his thigh, King of kings and Lord of lords. We have a king and his name is Jesus. He is worthy of our love and our devotion. So as citizens of heaven now, we will seek to grow in our love for him. He is our leader, he he alone. And one of the most important ways that we can demonstrate our love for our king is to listen to his commands. That is one of the greatest ways right now that we can demonstrate that we love our King Jesus is that we will listen to his commands. You know, to be born as a citizen in the U.S. or to become a citizen through a naturalization process, individual, individuals are given rights and privileges and freedoms, and I know I'm incredibly grateful for those bestowed on us from God and our brave military But it also comes with responsibilities that if you live in a land, there are laws that you are called to obey. And in the same way, as citizens of heaven, there are laws, there are commands that God has given us to help us flourish. In fact, Jesus in John chapter 14, he made it very plain. He said, if you love me, if you love me, you will keep my commands. If you love me, you will keep my commands because out of love, God has made it clear the things that we should do that will lead to life and will lead to flourishing and will help serve others. And he's made it clear there are things that you cannot do, you should not do that will lead to destruction and brokenness. 
this theme of love and, and obedience is, is found again in 1 John chapter 5. The same Apostle John who had this, this love relationship with Jesus. 1 John chapter 5, it says this. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father also loves the one born of him. This is how we know that we love God's children. When we love God and obey his commands. For this is what love, this is what love for God is, to keep his commands. His commands are not a burden, because everyone who has been born of God conquers the world. This is the victory that has conquered the world, our faith. This passage is a great reminder that in order to obey God, we need to know what he has commanded. We need to know what is right and what is wrong. And at the Ridge, we talk often about the importance of our gathering together for worship, whether that's in person or online, that we gather together to worship and then open God's word so that we know the truth, that we know the kind of life that he is calling us to, the truth about money and marriage, family and gender, morals and values, success in every aspect of our life, because the world will try to convince you, and you know this, you feel this. The world will try to convince you that what is down is up and, what up, and what's up is down. And they'll try to convince you that what's left is right and right is left and what's right is wrong and wrong is right. That is what the world will try to force upon you. So it's critical as citizens of heaven, as citizens of heaven, to go to God's word to know the truth, to know his commands. It's also important to remember that we're not alone in that. He's given us the Holy Spirit to encourage us and strengthen us and enable us to live out his commands, especially when it's hard, especially when it's hard. I'm commanded to lay my life down and, and to love my wife and to love my children. I'm commanded to speak words that give life and, and I'm commanded to flee from anything that would be counter to God, but there are times still when I fall. And you feel this and you know this because in this world, we are still gonna battle the flesh. We won't be like him until we see him. We won't be fully perfected until we're in heaven. So we will wage, feel this, this waging war inside of us. So I wanna remind you that when you fall short, when you fall short of the things that God has commanded you to do and you, you don't do them or the things that he's commanded you not to do and you do them, it's important to also remember this truth from 1 John chapter four, the same book. It says, if we say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. These scriptures were written to believers. So yes, to live now as a citizen of heaven, we want to listen to his commands. We want to obey his commands. That is what he's expecting of us. You know, a king doesn't say, here's a whole list of things and some of them are optional. No, if you live in that country, you are subject and you are under those laws and those commands. But as believers now, we'll still fall short. We'll still sin, so don't let that beat you up and tear you down. Do what this scripture has commanded us to do. Confess it. Take it to the, to the king. Trust that he will forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So as citizens of heaven now, we will seek to love our one true king. 
We will demonstrate our love for him as we listen to his commands, that we will do the things he's asked us to do, and we will refrain from the things that he's asked us to keep from. And when that happens, what you'll find is that you'll begin to look different from the world. You'll begin to look different. You know, going back to our analogy of international travel, I mean, it was obvious that I wasn't from the Dominican, right? Six foot two, light skin, English speaking. It was very obvious that this was not my home. When we begin to live according to God's commands and more and more do what is pleasing to him and not ourselves, we will increasingly look different from the world. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. And the Bible has a word for this, and that word is holy. And this is describing our God, but also us as his people, that God is holy, he is set apart, he is different, there's no one like him in every single way. But the scripture also uses this word to call us holy, that we have been set apart, that we live differently, that the world has a list of values and ours is different. That the world wants you to live for yourself and God says live for me and live for others. And one of the most clear places this is seen is in 1 Peter. And if you're feeling already kind of that sense of being out of place as a Christian in this dark world, well, this isn't new. 1 Peter, we see Peter writing to Christians who are under persecution. They had been scattered throughout the Roman Empire. So he wrote to encourage them in this way. He said, but you... But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a what? Holy nation, set apart, uniquely different, a people for his possession so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And then I love this. It's just like, come close. Please hear what I want you to know. He says, dear friends, I urge you as strangers and exiles to abstain from sinful desires that wage war against the soul. Conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles so that when they slander you as evildoers, they will observe your good works and will glorify God on the day he visits. He's pleading with them acknowledging you are living as strangers in a foreign land and you are being surrounded by evil on every side and everyone is going to try to convince you that up is down and down is up but don't give in be that holy people recognize that you are set apart and and one of the the fruits of this is right there in the scriptures where it says they will observe your good works and glorify your father Jesus said that in Matthew chapter five. He said, let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. When we're living rightly, when we're living lives that are set apart, there will be many who will observe that way of living, a life that is marked by love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and all of those things. And they're gonna say, you're different. You're different. You're living to, according to a different standard. What is it about you? in that a holy, set-apart, different kind of living from the world will give us opportunity to share about Jesus. It will. It will. I've had that experience. We're not claiming to be perfect, but we are desiring to be different. 
that the world says live a selfish life and get as much as you can for you and God says live a generous life. And the world says do whatever you want sexually and the Bible calls us to holy living and fleeing and abstaining from lust. The world says drink and do whatever you want and the world says no, don't get drunk but be filled with the Holy Spirit. There's a difference. There is a difference and people will take notice but you also have to know that while some will see your life and they will see your values and they will see that you're driven by God and that man, some won't actually find that to be a good thing. Others will actually persecute you for it. In, in 2 Timothy chapter three, the apostle Paul was describing to his son in the faith, Timothy, that, that in the end, things are gonna increasingly get worse and become increasingly more evil. And Paul reminded Timothy of this harsh reality that I think we need to hear. He says, in fact, all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. It comes with the territory. Now, you might not be aware of this, but all around the world right now, millions of Christians are suffering persecution for their faith. They're being taken from their homes. They're being put in prison. They're being put to death because of their faith. And that's not the case right now in America but who knows where things will be in the coming years. There could come a day where it's illegal to worship. There could come a day where it's illegal to name Jesus Christ as the only way to heaven. But I do believe that we do experience forms of persecution right now. I imagine there's some of you in high school and college or middle school that just feel so out of place that if you were to take a Bible to school that you would be made fun of or that you don't buy into the popular ideas about that everybody else is buying into that you'll be left out. It reminds me of when I was probably 13 years old, I had some buddies, and they just began to get involved with things that I knew, I knew would hurt me and I knew was wrong. And there was one day in particular, they were all huddled up, three of them, and I could tell they were planning some kind of sleepover, some kind of weekend, and they clearly weren't talking to me. And I finally said, hey, what are you guys planning? And I'll never forget what they said. They're like, Josh, the things that we're gonna be doing tonight, you won't want to do. And they went on to describe what they had planned to do behind their parents' backs, and, and I was left out. When you live your life differently, and when you live a life that is set apart, and you're not willing to cheat at work to get ahead, and you're not willing to take advantage of somebody, there will be people who will take notice of that and be encouraged by that, but there will be people who make fun of you, who leave you out, or dare even persecute you. So as citizens of heaven now, we, we seek to love our true king. We want to listen to his commands and do what he's asked us to do. And when we do, we will, we will look different to the world. And as this goes on more and more, and as we increasingly feel out of place, we will long for our true home. Many of you right now are already longing for your true home, aren't you? Aren't you? Like, I just don't feel at home. That's because you're not. You know, I was thinking about that eight-week stay in the Dominican Republic, and in every passing day, I began to feel more and more homesick. This isn't my true home, and for the believer especially for the believer who is seeking to live a holy, set-apart, God-honoring, different kind of life, you will increasingly feel out of place. 
you will increasingly desire to be at home face to face with your Savior. If you feel that way, if you feel like right now, Josh, if it weren't for my kids or it weren't for my grandkids or if it weren't for whatever that thing was, I would be good to just go to heaven today. You're not the first person to feel like that. One of the godliest people who've lived, the Apostle Paul, he said it this way. He said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now, if I live on in the flesh, he's saying, if I keep going, this means fruitful work for me. And, and I don't know which one I should choose. I'm torn between the two. I long to depart to be with Christ, which is far better. But to remain in the flesh, to stay here now, is more necessary for your sake. Since I am persuaded of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and join the faith, so that because of my coming to you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus may abound. Just one thing, just one thing. As citizens of heaven, live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ. He, he, was, he was just sharing his heart because they were in the Roman Empire and they were beginning to be persecuted for their faith. He actually wrote this from prison and he's saying, I just wanna be done with this world. I just wanna die. I just wanna go home and see my savior face to face, but I've got work to do. If I'm not dead, I'm not done, I've got work to do. And this is true for us. If you're living a holy life and if you're feeling different and you're growing in your love for, for our Savior, you're just gonna wanna be home. But I wanna remind you that you've got work to do. You've got work to do. If you're not dead, you're not, if you're not done, if he hasn't returned, then there is more work to be done. And as we long for home, I know this is what this does in my heart. As I long for home and I keep an eye on eternity that this isn't it, it encourages me because it reminds me that this isn't it. That the sickness and the loss and the divorce and the persecution and all of the brokenness, that this isn't it. That there is more to come. And then finally, when we live now as a citizen of heaven and all of these things are taking place, we will begin to lay up treasures in heaven. And I'm gonna leave you on a cliffhanger because Pastor Tim is gonna pick it back up next week and he's gonna talk about what does it mean? What does it mean to lay up treasures in heaven? How do we do that? What are those treasures and how should that motivate us right now? So you won't want to miss next week as we talk about laying up treasures in heaven. So today, how can we apply these truths to our lives? So I would say, you know, first and foremost, if you have not yet placed your faith in Jesus Christ, I urge you, to do that. Last week we talked about how the one who came from heaven is the only one who can get you to heaven. That's not an acceptable idea in our culture, but it is true. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So today I want to encourage you, if you haven't done that, if you haven't placed your faith in Jesus Christ, acknowledging your sin and need for a Savior, do that today. Call out to him in faith, and the Bible says you will be saved. And to those of you who have believed, I just want to acknowledge the struggle. The struggle is real. To live as a believer now 
And I'm, I'm not old, but man, even in my lifetime, I'm recognizing that things are getting worse. The darkness is getting darker. The evil is getting more rampant. These are challenging times. But I'm also encouraged that God knew when he would place us to live in his plan that he knew all of these things would be taking place and he saw fit for us to live right now. It's not gonna be easy, but he is there to sustain us and he will help us. And I wanna encourage us to live lives that are worthy of that calling in Jesus Christ, that he is our king and we wanna live lives that bring him honor and bring him glory and bring him praise. And I just wanna remind you this truth and we're gonna sing it in a moment. It won't be long and we will behold him Every tear he'll wipe away. We will be at home. We will. The war will be over and soon we will meet our Savior face to face. He has not abandoned us. He has not left us alone in this world. He is with us through his Holy Spirit. So love him. Obey his commands, especially when it's hard. Be okay with the fact that you're going to look different and you might get made fun of and you might get left out and one day the persecution may come. But keep your eye that we will be at home. Sin will be gone, the war will be gone, evil will be gone, all things will be made right. Let me pray for us. God, we believe these things as sure as this stage I stand on that you sent your son Jesus into this world to pay the price. And when we place our, our trust in you, we become citizens of heaven. We recognize, oh Lord, that it is challenging to live at this time, but you haven't left us alone. You've given us your Holy Spirit. May we grow in our love for you. May we grow in our obedience to you. May we grow in our holiness and being set apart ones. And may we not forget that this isn't our true home. There will be a day we'll see you face to face and we will be at home with you. We pray this, we believe this, we cling to this in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Ridge Weekly Podcast. If you'd like to hear more messages now, you can check out our past series at theridge.church slash messages or download the free Ridge app. Thanks again for listening and we will see you next time.